first of all, tell me a little bit about, you know, the genesis of the, of, of the film and how you guys uh, got the project. Yeah. I, and by the way, I, uh, I don't want to just roll over you saying Rod Sterling was one of your mentors. That's incredible. We actually got to do uh, one of the new Twilight Zone episodes recently. And it was, it was like, uh, uh, it was a lifelong dream because obviously I was also raised on Twilight Zone. He and Gene Roddenberry taught me how to write. So um, that is unbelievable. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Um, okay. Uh, uh, what was the other question? Sorry. I was really thinking. About <laughs> well, no, I, I, I listen. The twilight zone is no small deal, especially for us that, you know, are, are huge fans of the original series. There was a series done in the eighties not quite as good, but uh, a rehash, you know, but doing the new Twilight Zone, um, you know, is, it's a brilliant series. And I think they're taking chances that they didn't want to take in the 80s. Mm. Yeah, they're, they're, they let us, it was really wild. I mean, ours is about an octopus that's going to take over the world. You know, it's like a wild <laughs> idea. Just, anyway, you know, I was I was asking about how how you guys got the uh, the idea and and how the film came about. Uh, so it was we were just kind of like in between. Uh, I should say in between jobs. Unemployed is another word for it. Um, where uh, you know we're sitting around um, uh, probably a, a cafe or a bar, or eating some lunch on a on a on a gig that we probably don't want to be doing. Um, and, uh, and Justin says, like, I had this idea kind of come at me like a, like a lightning rod based off of, um, a lot of what Alan Moore talks about in, in a lot of his work, which is that, that it's called eternalism where, um, there's no distinction between the past, present and future. There's a Einstein quote that, that happens in synchronic that, or that, that Steve has memorized and gives to his dying patients, um, uh, as kind of an elegy. And, uh, uh, and it's that, that the distinction between the past, present, and future is only a uh, stubbornly persistent delusion. And the, the idea was, was that coupled with the idea is what if you could take one of these designer synthetic drugs that you can just buy over the counter that's just been recklessly changed chemically in order to just be able to make it weirdly legal uh, with, with bizarre side effects. What if one of those side effects makes it so that you could see no distinction between past, present, and future? Mm -hmm. That's where it began. Um, and, uh, and we just started yammering about that and like, who would be able to investigate that? Uh, you know, well, if it was cops, they'd have like guns on the poster and like kick down doors and be like, tell me where they are. You know, so we're like, all right, let's, let's not do that. Let's make them paramedics. So they still have these death scenes, but they, and, but they're not empowered to be, you know, investigating this. And, um, and there's so many things that spiral out of it from there. I, I just, I just realized that that lunch also, I, I could have said, I just had this idea. What if bath salts made you see like Dr. Manhattan. <laughs> <laughs> cool. right, well, let's do that movie next. Um, yeah, that's, yeah, yeah. Oh, that's what this one is. <laughs> yeah. There's, there's something uh, metaphysically horrific, uh, you know, about that because, you know, again, our brains aren't geared to see past, present and future. We, we have to be linear and I, I, you know, in our, in our uh, perception of time and, and our lives. And this kind of really steps into that, you know, and, and it, it, it's a brilliantly done film and, and, you know, you're working with some brilliant actors. So tell me about that process 
as well. I, you know, Jamie Dorman, he's just, he's an amazing actor and I think underrated. Absolutely. Oh, he's so, Jamie is so underrated. Uh, I mean, to start out with, you know, and you, you do this type of thing as a, these interviews and as a filmmaker, you talk about the actors you work with. And people always lay on hyperbole of, oh, they're so brilliant, they're so whatever. Very truly, these guys are like the nicest people anyone will ever meet. And they were so kind to us. And we're on this very low budget movie, especially for them. <laughs> very low budget for them, even still a very low budget film. And, um, and they were so kind to us and they are brilliant and they were amazing. And, and like you said, Jamie, Jamie has, he has moments where like, you know, Yo, we yell cut, and then like Anthony would look over us and go, "Oh my god, oh my god, the check!" <laughs> yeah, like, like if you're blowing away Anthony Mackie, who's one of you know one of our great our great actors, that's it's not there's not much higher praise yeah. than that. I he he made me cry behind monitor one time for for strange reasons, and uh, that was that. I mean, sorry, he was acting, and uh, and he got me for some reason. It was just something that happened in my head, and uh, and actually also just. I know that we want to talk about the nuts and bolts of the performances and stuff like that, but I, I need to go back to how nice they are um, because we're in New Orleans and, and they were constantly like, Hey guys, want to grab some drinks, grab some cigars, grab some food. They would all, we, we would all just hang out all the time. And uh, to see the way that people would treat them, like because they are major celebrities and people would walk up to them and talk to them, the way they would respond was amazing. I mean, there was one time where somebody showed up to set to see Jamie and, uh, and the, um, the first AD was like, all right, hey, we're, we'll, we'll be able to kind of drive you around so you don't have to interact with this person. We'll drive you from, your, from the place you're getting dressed to the set and all that. And he's like, no, let me just go talk to them. And he just went up and chatted with them for a few minutes. And, and the person got to see Jamie. Jamie was, he's so giving. It's unbelievable. Yeah. Anyway, sorry. I know we only have no, no, I, I mean, the These are the nuts and bolts of, of, yeah. of, yeah. of, of we don't get that kind of, you know, uh, uh, transparency from, you know, when I do interviews, you know, yeah, we do talk about, you know, how they approach the role and whether they did improv and, and whatever, but to, you know, I've, I've interviewed Jamie and, and Anthony a couple of times over my career and they are the sweetest people in the world. And for you as directors and, and the producers of a film to know that they wanted to be in that film, you know, and, and took the money that they took the little bit, you know, to be in that movie has got to make you proud. Yeah, I I have no idea why those guys agreed to do this movie, but yeah. uh, but but it was really nice because working with Anthony Mackie, you can just sort of like um, you can just you can, first off you act like you know what you're doing, and then you ask him, "What would you do?" Yeah. And then you got and then you know what the best way forward is. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, and of course, then, then you just pay him in beignets because you're in New, New Orleans. So that's, well, he's uh, he's a New Orleans local yeah. too, so he he gets paid in being able to hang out with his family and, and spend some time at home and all of that, you know. Um, but also, I mean, he's, I mean, he was he was the Mardi Gras king or something like that. So he's he's a they love him there. I mean, and he and and Jamie both are salt of the earth type people because they came up doing you know grunt work on sets and you know everything like that so they know they haven't forgotten what that's like mm -hmm. uh to yeah. work hard yeah they're not and i know the i'm sorry to interrupt but i know also they interact with your extras and your 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 atmosphere people as well mm -hmm. 
Yeah, they were they were wonderful. Actually, there's this uh, there's this great moment in the behind the scenes. Well, I don't know if it made it to the cut. It doesn't matter. That we were interviewing uh, Anthony for the behind the scenes, and somebody the one of the questions was, uh, whose performance are you the most excited about seeing? Because there's a lot of people in this movie, and you know, I mean, he's like, all right, it's obvious it's Jamie, but beyond that, and he kind of thinks about it for a second. He goes, oh, the looter at the very end. That guy was amazing. And he's, his, his name is Bill Oberst Jr., who has been in our first movie, uh, Resolution, and he is a tr national treasure, uh, truly a national treasure. And he came with everything worked out, this weird accent, this song that he's going to be whistling. He had it all worked out. And he's like, let me, and, and we didn't, it's weird to, it's weird as a director to not need to give anyone any direction. It's very weird. It makes you feel like you're, you're bad at it or that you're not doing your job right to give no correction. There are some people that just need nothing. And Bill is one of those people. He's just like, just do exactly what your instincts say, man. And I'm glad you, you do a shout out to those people too, because they, they work their asses off to, to give you what they think you need. Yeah. Yeah. It was unbelievable. Uh, and, I, and I say unbelievable. I know it's a very American thing to do to just use the highest words for every single thing, but truly when it would happen, Justin and I would look at each other and go, I, who, who does that? It's incredible how perfect it is, you know? Yeah. Uh, you know, the big question is, you know, audiences, what do you, what do you think they're going to pull from the film? What, what experience are they going to take with them out of, uh, out of the film? We just want to make people cry. Yeah. yeah <laughs> we're just, we're, it, wow. Melancholy tears. <laughs> melancholy tears. Uh, we, uh, we really do hope that there is, however you feel about the idea of, traveling through time or, or the past or um, anything like that, or, or facing your own death um, or, or your, uh, your familial relationships. We really do hope that people get this idea of the fact that the, that, that human connection in your present moment is kind of the only thing that matters. You know, any, any, like we, we spend our lives making, um, I guess what would be called art. But what I mean by that is we, we make, we make a, a, a consumable thing. Yeah. One day that will be gone. No matter what, at, at some point in the future, the, the, the thing that we have created will crumble into dust. You know, the hard drive, the last hard drive will crash, you know, but, but the, the experiences that we had together are the only things that will never be taken away from the, from its moment in the past. And that is, that was, that was the central tenet behind creating this movie. And look, that is couched within a very fun genre movie, but that was our North star. That idea of like human connection in the present moment is the only thing that actually matters to us. That's the theme we're exploring. There's no moral to it, but it, you know, you, you can also feel differently about it, but that's the exploration. I think the human condition is explored, you know, in such a way that I think any audience watching this film is going to walk away thinking, well, I matter you know, in such a way too, that, that it's, it's not all for naught. I mean, it really does have a great sense of hope in this film, even though it's couched in, you know, of course the science fiction and, 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 you know, the time elements and all of that, but it, it really offers up some hope. Yeah, for sure. There's an interesting thing. Obviously the movie deals with death quite a bit, right? And hopefully in the journey of your life, Hopefully you have moments where you're not just continuously terrified by the idea of death. <laughs> we all should be afraid of it, but like hopefully you have moments where it's, you have, this is something that's just going to happen and you find some sort of comfort somehow. Right. Well, the premise of the movie 
the idea of time that it's that it's you know not a flowing river it's a frozen river well what does that suggest that suggests two things and one's scary and one's great the scary part is, is like well that's a scary thought like wait wait everything like the way I experience it is not what it actually is. Okay, that's frightening, that's unsettling. But isn't there something comforting about like nothing's ever behind you? It's just elsewhere in the frozen river. Yeah. And and that's a that, that's a that that's a that's kind of a beautiful way to think about uh, death. I actually just realized something that uh, there's there, we we actually have all learned the same lesson when we were uh, somewhere between two and four years old. Uh, when we learn about object permanence, mm-hmm. when, you know, kids, kids think that when you leave the room, you're just gone forever, you know, like children, uh, infants, you know, infants and toddlers, they don't understand that objects exist outside of themselves. They don't have a theory of mind. Um, but we actually learn this lesson about, about physical space when we're, when we're in child developmental psychology um, that, oh yeah, things are still there. You know, when you drive by a building, it doesn't just crumble into dust once you can't see it anymore. It still exists. Um, and if we can, if we can take that idea about, um, about the 3d space and apply it to 4d space, uh, we can actually have a little bit more, hopefully a little bit more satisfaction in our lives. I look at the frozen river too and go, wow, I can always go ice fishing. So, you know, it's (laughs) how you take life. Gentlemen, thank you so much for your time. Uh, and uh, again, what a beautiful film and, um, it should be on everybody's watch list, uh, uh, especially during these times when we're trapped in our homes. So I appreciate your time this morning, and, and now you can get back to your Saturday. Thank you. This celebrity interview is sponsored by... I'm Annette Severella with Pia Anderson Moss Hoyt, Utah's leading entertainment law firm serving clients nationwide. We provide solid, attentive representation focusing on minimizing risk, reducing cost, and protecting the reputation and privacy of our clients. Our goal is to provide you with the legal representation you need to make the right decisions and to protect you and your creative works. Call or email me for a free consultation.